Welcome to The Rough Puffs. I'm your host, Andrea Bennett. And I'm Kim Fu. This is a podcast where we rewatch and discuss The Great British Bake Off. We're up to Series 5, Episode 9, Patisserie Week. The semi-final. The semi-final. It's very high tension in the tent. Um, we start off with a little recap, kind of like giving a sense of who everyone is and what their strengths and weaknesses have been. And I think that this is the saddest episode, like every single season because there are four, there are usually four super talented people and you know that just one of them is not going to make it to the final. And often it feels like any of them could go through, any of them could leave the tent. It's mm-hmm. just really random. Do you have anyone that you're rooting for at this point? Or do you remember in any of your watches of this season, was there someone you were rooting for? I like them all for very different reasons. Lewis, mm. I, I love Lewis, but our, our like, flavor desires don't totally align, but his stuff is always so neat and so beautiful, and I appreciate his flavor combinations. And then Chetna's food, I always really want to eat, um, and she's great. There's a moment at the beginning where she says she's earned the place she has, and she's feeling confident, and I just really love that. Her personality is super cool. Like, she's, like, a quietly confident person. You don't see that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then Richard, who doesn't love Richard with his little like pencil behind his ear and um, again, like quietly capable. He's won four star bakers and mm-hmm. he's like not full of himself at all. And then Nancy, who's also great. I, it's it's like kind of gut-wrenching to think that one of them is going. It's really sad. So yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for all of them. Do you have someone that you're that is like at the top for you that you're like really hoping it goes through? This time watching it, I feel the way you do. Like I like all four of them equally uh, for a lot of the same reasons. I, I agree with you completely about Louis. Like his flavors are not my favorite, but it's a visual medium. You know, <laughs> we don't get yeah. to eat any of them, and Louis are the prettiest to look at. So I don't want him to go. Uh, but I do remember in earlier watches of this season that I rooted for Richard in part because yeah. he wins Star Baker so many times. Like I feel like I wanted him to be rewarded for that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, But I think also because he's got this salt of the earth common man quality like he's he's and he's got that like north london accent like where he's like like cord (laughs) i'm all right at bacon isn't it you know like that like yeah it's very charming he feels like a regular guy who genuinely did not know that he was this good at baking and yeah i guess i just felt like someone who wins star baker like fully half the time should win it all i think is how i used to think but watching this time i do feel I just, I love Nancy and Chetna so much as people. And they're both, they're both just so good. Like Chetna's flavors are so interesting. Chetna's are always the ones I want at the planning stage. Like when she announces what she's doing, I'm like, oh yeah, Yeah. that's the one. But then Nancy is just, it's just so good. Like, you know, hers like come out amazingly well. And she's so sassy and funny. And she's like Mary's best friend. You know, Mary wants to come to confide in her. She's really able to roll with the punches and has like a lot of baking knowledge and yeah, she's great. She's just, she's super fun to watch too and like Mm -hmm. kind of genuinely hilarious and the, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just really great on camera. I would watch her cooking, her baking show. Of the four of them, if Nancy got her own show, that would be the one I'm most excited about. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. Before we started recording, we were talking about um, housing prices and how ridiculous everything is and cost of living. And so, yeah, Richard comes across, or he is like really salt of the earth, but he mentioned specifically in this episode that he lives in a particular part of North London. There are a lot of Turkish folks around, so that's why he eats so much baklava. Mm-hmm. He's never made it, but he's eaten lots of it. And then I was just thinking like, well, you can't be that working class if you live... <laughs> living in London because it's expensive as hell but actually also I feel like people who work as like builders and constructors now this is also a long yeah you're right it was oh boy maybe like 10 years ago now I guess probably right yeah yeah so I mean it was still really expensive then but things are batshit crazy I have no no clue how any of us are even I don't don't know know either it makes no sense like like math wise no it sense. It is. It is anyway, unsustainable. We're here to talk about baking and the signature. Speaking of baklava, baklava. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they have to make twenty-four of them, two kinds. I like the way that Mary and Paul describe what baklava is. You know, there's like fantastic phyllo, gorgeous syrup that binds it all together. A beautiful feeling. Like if you think of um. I was going to say a tennis announcer, but that's not right. No, the announcer at a beauty pageant. That's what I think they sound like talking oh. about phyllo. <laughs> Like, look at all these beautiful pastries. Yeah. And the well-roundedness, too. Mm-hmm. You got to check all the boxes. You got to be extremely hot and then also charming and have something smart to say. Yeah. I mean, homemade phyllo is not something that people really do all that much. Lewis says at one point, like, you know, you open a recipe book and it says, like, cut open your phyllo packet. <laughs> Chadnut points out that they're made by machines, so it's it's literally impossible to get it as thin and as well made as the as the packaged ones because you're not yeah. a machine. I wonder if homemade is tastier, or if there's like some benefit to doing it homemade, or if I there's no it. benefit whatsoever. Like it's just water, flour, vinegar, and oil, right? Like yeah. there's going to be no benefit to making it at home because it has no butter in it. <laughs> yeah, and it probably also doesn't need a lot of like stabilizers or anything. Like there's probably not contaminating preservatives in it yeah i was just thinking it would be fresher if you made it at home so when i picture baklava it's kind of like i'm sure how richard sees it in his neighborhood uh like certain shops that will that where you go to get like euros or um, falafel will have like a tray on the on the counter and you can also get baklava but i think i've only ever eaten before this past weekend baklava one time because usually when I'm in that shop I am devouring (laughs) so much like falafel and tzatziki that I don't have space for other things but one time I remember splitting a piece with my dad because I was so intrigued by like what this flaky pastry with nuts in it was to me it's like you're in a Greek restaurant and you're like getting takeout and they're like sure you don't want a baklava when you're like paying and you're like yeah all right and then (laughs) You know, and then they throw one in the bag and you get a baklava too. So have you eaten a bunch of baklava over the course of your life? Yeah, yeah. Not recently. I can't find Mediterranean food I like in Seattle and I've mm. given it quite a shot. Uh, but oh. but uh, but yeah, in the course of my life, like when I was in Vancouver and in Montreal, I feel like I ate a lot of baklava. Montreal in particular has good pastry. It also has good Mediterranean food. Yeah, yes, it does. You can find what you're looking for there. Mm-hmm. It's lacking in other areas, I'm sure. It was when I lived there. I think it is no longer. For yeah. example, it, I don't feel like there was a lot of um, 
East Asian food in general in Montreal yeah. that was particularly good. Uh, but that has changed since I've left. Yeah. Like when I've gone back to visit, it's like, oh, Montreal likes for nothing now. Yeah. They've always had good, um, like, fun banh mi for yes. probably colonialism-related reasons. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. But, but yeah. I mean, all, all of North America has good pho for, <laughs> yeah. for those reasons. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, and they always had good South Asian food, too. But I, I feel like it was just, yeah. like, Chinese, Korean, Japanese was, like, lacking before, and yeah. it isn't anymore. It is hard once you get used to, like, Vancouver sushi to go to Toronto or Montreal. We have not talked about anybody's baklava yet. No. Let's talk about actual baklavas. So, Lewis does an Indian rose baklava. Okay, what did he say the flavor was? Because I heard rose and barberry, but that's not a thing. So, what what did he oh, actually say? Barberry, like barberry, berry, barberry. Uh, Will's growing some. It's a large genus of deciduous and evergreen shrubs. Um... They have berries. I haven't eaten one yet because Will's hasn't fruited, so I don't know what they're like. Hmm. I guess that they're kind of probably pretty like a tart and acidic, but I'll let you know when the plants fruit. <laughs> we'll have a Andrea's tasting corner that yeah. week. <laughs> um, but yeah, the and with rose water, I guess. And for that one, he uses like a star cutter and he cuts out flaky pastry his phyllo and he kind of shifts it just on an axis a tiny bit so that it looks like a flower mm-hmm. um i guess a rose he also does halva 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 how do, i guess people pronounce that i've heard both of the pronunciations i don't know which one is technically more correct it's cashews almonds grated carrots and drizzled with saffron syrup it's just one layer of pastry rolled yeah. up though and he thinks yeah. that will mimic like the many layers of, yeah. of pastry but it, it does not actually in no. the end at the beginning when um when they're pulling their dough thin mary says to louis get pulling yeah sue makes a joke she's like <laughs> mary's in pulling mode and i only know that british slang from these like comedic romance novels that uh, I read a lot as a teenager that were British where yeah pulling is like British slang for like getting laid like he pulled last night meaning like you know (laughs) he took somebody home Um, poor Mary they just try to make her blush at every turn Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's one of the ones that um, the BBC got like complaint letters about the double (laughs) entendre his do look completely beautiful so in comparison um nancy makes a coffee and chocolate baklava and a breakfast baklava and the breakfast baklava is is made with muesli which is which is weird she admits the phyllo is not part of what she ever does ever and she doesn't really eat baklava either and at the end hers look like more or less classic versions of baklava and a little messy a little messy i would say Mm-hmm. And in comparison to Lewis's, like, you would look at those two and just be like, I'll choose Lewis's. But then, because Nancy's taken a more classic approach to the layering of the phyllo, the judges end up liking hers more. I I don't know if I agree. Like, Louis, the star one, it looks very technically impressive, but it looks dry. Like, it, it doesn't look like yeah. a baklava. Like, it doesn't look, like, sticky and gooey and, like, full of syrup. And, no. Uh, and then when they eat it, that's what they say. You know, Paul says it's, it's bone dry, right? Like, it, the syrup doesn't penetrate. It, it doesn't have what you're looking for in baklava. I actually thought you would really like Nancy's uh, coffee and chocolate with orange syrup. Like, that sounds like all of oh, Andrea's yeah. favorite things, custom made. I would want to eat that one. Although... 
with some stuff, like with baklava, I think I just want to eat a more or less traditional one, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I don't need to reinvent the wheel if I know that I like the flavors of the original wheel. So yeah, I mean, I would eat that one for sure. But if it was put side by side with like a traditional baklava, like um, just like a walnut one or a pistachio one or whatever, I would probably just opt for the traditional one. That's actually where I landed by the end of the segment, I will say. Uh, you know, we were just comparing Nancy and Louie, and I feel like it's worthwhile to compare Richard and Chetna, actually, because uh, Chetna's, I thought sounded the most interesting and I was like excited about them right so she did well one of hers she used cocoa powder in the phyllo so she made like a brown phyllo uh, which you know Paul is very much against and actually when he says that at the very beginning and then he walks away uh she's actually spooked you know like she's like maybe I made a terrible mistake after that conversation and those are filled with uh pistachios and dark chocolate and then her other one is the masala chai baklava which you know is coated with a syrup that's infused with chai tea and that sounds so good I think it sounds so exciting and interesting yeah but then when she's done they look they look big and heavy and like not very appealing like they're so heavy with filling the syrup can't even penetrate them you know it can't even get down to the layers of pastry Uh, And when you eat them, it's like just filling. And then Richard, on the other hand, Richard goes super, super classic, right? He does one that's walnut and almond with cinnamon orange syrup and one that's pistachio and rose. There's crystallized ginger, but I don't even know where that went. Like he's shown chopping crystallized ginger, but then they don't mention that the description of either one. It's got to have gone in the walnut and almond, right? Because it'd be, well, I don't know. I guess you could put it in with rose. Anyway, he so he was super classic and then he he nails it. Right. And in the end, it's like those actually the ones that I want to eat. You know, everyone else, I think, swung for something very original. And then he went the most basic and yet his looked the best. His looks the most delicious. His were the ones I would pick all told. I would agree. I mean, he's he seems to be the one who's eaten the most. (laughs) (laughs) So so maybe, yeah, maybe that's how he felt, too. Why reinvent the wheel? I've got to go home to North London and answer to all the Turkish <laughs> All my Turkish neighbors are watching. <laughs> I've been eating, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I totally did not understand what they meant when they were talking about the concertina method until they actually showed Richard doing it. Like they showed his one yeah. big roll and then he, you know, he put it on a stick and was like swoosh, you know, he just swooshed yeah. it up. And also uh, Sue made a joke about Nancy's because when hers was all squished yeah. up, it looked kind of obscene. Although I will say... They were making jokes about it looking like a penis, um, but I thought it looked more like an int- intestine. It did look more like an intestine than a... I mean, if you have a concertina, <laughs> you've got bigger problems. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, I hadn't seen the concertina method. It was cool to mm-hmm. see that. I wonder if you could do the same thing with something like a spanakopita, like oh. a, a savory filling. Yeah, maybe. Although I made a spanakopita, spanakopita kind of filling in a in a galette, and it was super tasty. And I don't know if I would go to the trouble of making gluten free <laughs> phyllo mm. when I could just make galetto, which is so much easier. That's fair. That's fair. So during the challenge, Paul is stalking around the camp the kitchen like he's just hovering around people and like peering over their shoulders and into their ovens making all these like inscrutable expressions of concern and judgment um and i was thinking how i had said in an earlier episode that i wanted to be a judge on this show 
And I was thinking, I do not have the like presence and confidence to do that. I feel like if I were Paul and I was mm. just like walking around harassing everybody, I would want to help. If I was yeah. sitting up behind people, I would be like, you know, can I help? Do you need me to hold anything? Do you want me to pour anything? Anything needs stirring? Yeah. I couldn't imagine just like <laughs> glowering at them the whole time. Maybe you need a Malara Sue kind of role instead. Mm. They get to eat everything and they do stir and things of That's that nature. True. But you'd be more helpful probably because usually part of their shtick is that they help poorly. Sometimes they help well when someone's really in a desperate pinch. Like when it's yeah. like one minute to go yeah, and everything's true. falling to pieces. Sometimes then they do help more seriously. Yeah, that's true. I like that about GBBO, that it's not disqualifying to have a little bit of help. Yeah, they all, they help each other in those scenarios too. Um, actually, in this challenge, yeah. uh, Chetna and, and Louie both got chided for their like last minute drizzling. Like they were both kind of still drizzling as the buzzer was going and then they had to be like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Should we move on to talking about the technical? Yeah, let's do it. Who's going to try to say the name of the technical? So I wrote it down phonetically <laughs> as well as the actual spelling. And the, what I wrote down for it phonet- phonetically was shiktorta. Shiktorta. Did I? Okay. As close as it's I was. It's a 20-layer. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I think we both did remarkably well, being that we couldn't say maraschino cherry all <laughs> So, you know, credit where credit mm-hmm. is due. So they, it's this weird, no, sorry, that's rude. It's a cake that has 20 layers, and it's kind of built like crepe, a crepe cake, except that you do it layer by layer under the broiler, like what we would call yes. the broiler, but they are calling a mm-hmm. grill, in the oven, and you're supposed to have a light layer and then a dark layer, and that, like, it's the same batter, and it happens under the broiler Mm -hmm. and then you put a glaze a chocolate glaze on and then for kicks they do like a white chocolate Mm -hmm. drizzle when they first cut this open this is a paul challenge when they first cut it open when they're doing that like this is the perfection of this cake i thought that there was gonna be some like icing or something in between the layers i was expecting a crepe cake with like something in between the layers and they no, they get the dark and the light simply from from having it be under the grill longer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I want to eat this cake, to be honest. It probably tastes like a very basic cake. Like when they were uh, reading off the ingredients, the contestants, they mentioned lemon and vanilla. Um, And I do think probably the light and the dark means, because the layers are so thin that there's like a crispiness and then a cake softness and then a crispiness and a cake softness. Um. I think it probably tastes very simple, but it's, it's just kind of technically cool, sort of, or interesting. Like, I, I wonder yeah. about the symbology of it, if any, or, like, the historical reasons why yeah. this cake existed. Like, was were there, you know, like, limitations such that all you had was, like, the, like this kind of, uh, like, heating element? Yeah. So that's how you had to make a cake? You can make a little guy in, like, a salamander, even, yeah. I think. Actually, uh, there was a like historical interlude in this one. Oh, I didn't get it. It was like it. in the middle of the technical. It was very weird. Like it interrupted the technical oh. and it was about something similar, but not similar enough that it explains what the deal is with the Shiktorja. Um, it's about a town. The the like subtitle name of the town is uh, Die Baumkuchenstadt, which is the Baumkuchen town, right? So it's like the town oh. known for Baumkuchen. They make it, <laughs> like on a spit in an oven it's like oh, this yeah. rotating spit that you're pouring cake batter onto huh. um and so it kind of looks like 
you know, the, the thing you make hero meat on, like it, it looks like a, a spit yeah. of hero meat, except it's cake. And then you cover the whole thing at the end with like fondant or chocolate and the decorations. And it has kind of like okay. those striations of being like cooked in layers like that. Mel tries like making it and she's like having trouble. And then she kind of asked the baker to like Patrick Swayze and ghost her, like to like stand behind her <laughs> and like, you know, do it with her She's arm. She's an incorrigible yeah. flirt. I had no idea this was like a through line through the historical segments is her like flirting with the, with the bakers. And they actually like, you know, had like romantic music soundtracking it. And like, you know, they panned from their feet that are like, you know, standing nested together as they're doing um, so but, that I can kind of see, like, if you if the only thing you have access to is a spit and you want dessert or something, like, I can see how that would come out, but that would be difficult to mm-hmm. do. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, they're looking for consistency, yada, yada, yada. You know, they all do pretty well, but Chetna comes in fourth because she didn't have, they're supposed to have 20 layers and Nancy knows that Paul's going to count and obviously mm-hmm. Paul counts. And so Ke- Chetna comes up short. And, and Nancy also comes up short. So this is a good aeration in the dough. And I, I think Chetna's is a bit flat. Hers was lopsided too. You know what was interesting is near the beginning, Chetna is on camera saying that she's doing five minutes for the light the light layers and seven minutes for the dark layers. And so I like was like doing the math in my head and I'm like, that's two hours, right? Like for 20 layers, right? Because yeah. that's 50 and 70. And I was like, that cannot be. And and they had said they had one hour left for the whole thing, right? Including glazing and everything. And Chetna oh. had just calculated she needed two hours. But then at a certain point, she's like three layers in and she realiz- has that realization too, where she's like, that's going to take ages. That cannot be right. And and then she was the only one who had her broiler on too low. Oh, uh, yeah. Everyone else had it up at high. Yeah. So she figured it out and kicked it up. But at that point, I was like... China's totally screwed. And then so in the end that she was only one layer behind Nancy seems like not bad at all, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't even remember the differences between Richard's and Lewis's. Like Richard ends up in second and Lewis ends up in first. But So Richard's was short. <laughs> um, they said his right. layers were extremely thin uh, and they, su- they suspect that there was actually something wrong in the mixing phase uh, of when uh. he was making his batter. Uh, but he got all 20 layers and they, and he did that kind of, um, they, they called it webbing, which I'd never heard before where you run, you know, you run your knife through and you create that like Chevron pattern, uh, which they said mm-hmm. they liked. They thought it was like a nice professional touch, but, but Louis was like flawless. Like he, he made it very similar yeah. to what they had in their platonic ideal segment. He's good at nailing those platonic ideals. Um, they were all glazing the cake while it was piping hot. Yeah. Too, uh, <laughs> yeah. Out of necessity. And, but like, Given that, I feel like they turned out pretty well, but like even in the judging, when they like cut Nancy's and were eating it, it was still warm, right? After all that like glazing with chocolate, it's, it's like, okay. Yeah, it was, they gave them, yeah, too tight a timeline, just kind of a too brutal a timeline. Mm-hmm. And so they all did remarkably well, given that. They did. It was a very strange and difficult challenge, I think. Especially when you think about as the layers go up, they're getting closer to the broiler, right? So you have to keep adjusting the time oh, yeah. as you go. And and also, like, um, one of them had, like, a crispy bottom. Oh, Chetna. Chetna had, like, the bottom layer burned, which in a way makes sense, right? Because it's the only one that's, like, in the oven that whole time, like, yeah. touching the, the metal bottom of the pan. Like, I was trying to think of how everybody else prevented that, and I'm still not totally clear. 
I guess maybe for her it was in there even longer because she started at a low temperature. Yeah. And you do they did have um parchment on the bottom, right? Or no? I don't know. I mean they must have. How else would you get that thing out? Yeah, yeah. Good point. All right, should we go to Andrea's baking corner? Let's do it. week i made gluten-free baklava like gluten-free phyllo pastry and then baklava and i can honestly say that i never thought or intended to make this ever in my life i did not think it was possible one of your pictures is really funny I've seen pictures of the final product. I have not seen your process pictures before. And the way you determined whether the phyllo was like sufficiently stretched, where it had achieved sufficient translucence, is very funny. Um, Do you want to describe it? Yeah, I wrote phyllo with a question mark in like black Sharpie on a piece of paper. And then um, I put it under the phyllo to see if I could see through the phyllo. You wrote it in very large, scratchy, black, black, <laughs> yeah. sharpie letters. Like you wrote it, you know, you wrote it over and over again, like you were losing your mind. And yeah. then it does show through the phyllo, but having those kind of like scratchy serial killer letters coming up through pastry <laughs> is kind of amazing, right? It looks like, Aww. you know, it, it looks sort of a... Uh, ghostly like the the pastry's trying to send you a message we should write one of those really cheesy murder mystery novels that involves this somehow like the victim gets the message they're gonna die like through baked into a kilo yeah yeah visible through the phyllo yeah dun 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 yeah, so I owe, like, an enormous debt of gratitude or, like, I never would have tried this. However, there is a gluten-free baker called the Loopy Whisk, um, who I follow on Instagram, and she is a, let's see, she either has or just, or almost has her PhD in inorganic chemistry from the University of Oxford, and so she does a bunch of food science stuff. And normally, when you make gluten-free doughs you use either xanthan gum or psyllium husk and i usually use xanthan gum because i like to chill my doughs and uh xanthan gum responds better to that in yeasted situations if you use psyllium husk and chill then then your dough can get kind of like crumbly but what she discovered was you have xanthan gum in this dough for the phyllo But then she also makes this like psyllium gel from the husk that she incorporates into the dough. And that's the only reason you can get it as thin as I was able to get it, because otherwise it would never be possible. And so when I hit upon her recipe, I was like, shit, I think that this would actually work. Like, I trust this because some other recipes I've seen, I'm like, that seems very, very fiddly and annoying and I don't trust you. But this one I did. And so I tried it out. I think that probably you don't get it quite as thin as you get it a gluten one, but um, having only ever eaten baklava once in my life, what do I know? So I made like a pistachio um, baklava. It looks like you have quite good layers in the first picture of them when after they've come out of the oven. Something that is really interesting to me is 
the way you've cut them. So you you built up the layers in a loaf pan, it looks like. Yeah. And then you've cut, uh, you cut it like lengthwise um, across yeah. and then diagonally in the other direction uh, to so that you have a bunch of perfect diamonds and then a few other abstract space shapes just at the very yeah. edges. Like, I guess it's like once you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's how you would do that. But yeah, uh, like someone would have to explain that to me. Like, I think I never would have come up with that solution on my own. The woman whose recipe I followed for the pistachio went, it's I was looking at how much phyllo I was going to get from the loopy whisk. Versus, like, how big the woman who is um, baking for, like, Ramadan feasts. Mm -hmm. I was like, this math does not line up. And so I was kind of looking around for what I could substitute in. And what I could substitute in was a loaf pan. And so I looked at the way that she had cut her diamonds and just kind of figured out a really pretty similar, like, hack for mine. The most interesting thing I learned was that you cut the slices before they go in the oven. I didn't know that. And it makes perfect sense because you're going to shatter your phyllo if you do it afterwards. But mm-hmm. um, had I not followed a recipe, I would have I would have fucked that up, honestly. It would have occurred to me only afterwards. I always thought traditional baklava was honey, not syrup, until this episode, I guess. I feel like you can do it with honey. I think I saw some recipes that did have honey. Mm. but um i chose to do a syrup often you put in like orange essence or rose water or Mm -hmm. something i did some vanilla paul described pistachio and rose as the classic baklava and i was like really Mm. like i've never seen i've never encountered rose flavoring in baklava Again, these are all like takeout counter baklavas that I've had. But if you're saying you went to Greek places, I think Mm -hmm. it it varies a little bit from like, well, maybe roughly country to country, but probably, you know, not quite exactly those national borders. So I'm sure pistachio and rose is like one of the classics. But yeah, it was pretty good. I, I was really impressed with how well the pastry turned out. I would do it again. And it wasn't like finicky, delicate, like to work with, like to to get it to that thinness. Yeah. I had an allergy attack that day. Like my allergies were awful and I was in a terrible mood because of that. Like I was working with the pastry and then I'd have to go like sneeze 18 times, Mm -hmm. blow my nose, wash my hands, go back to the pastry. And so if I was working on a particular area of the pastry, what I did was like I was rolling it out and then... I would take patches that were craggy and use them to patch up like um, inlets, I guess. Mm -hmm. I would take peninsulas and use them to fill inlets. And so it did take a little bit of working, working out because it's so it's it is kind of so finicky that you don't want to be waste. I don't want to be wasting any like scraps or whatever. But because you're layering it up in the tin, as long as you save your nicest pieces for the top, it doesn't matter all that much because you're going to be slicing it up and it shatters as you eat it anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then also the woman whose recipe I followed, she was like, I always traditionally eat this with like ice cream. Like she makes this sort of ice cream sandwich. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, huh. And I ate mine with ice cream and it was so good with ice cream. I could definitely see that. So the phyllo is not so finicky that you wouldn't make baklava again, but too finicky to make spanakopita. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when I know that I can make the spanakopita galette for a lot less effort. But I would make baklava. You know, I would make I would make the concertinaed spanakopita 
if I, well, I don't know. I was going to say if I was having dinner guests over and I really wanted to impress them, but that also seems pretty risky. Usually yeah. when I have dinner guests, I choose things that are like my tried and tested mm-hmm. recipes. I get that. I have found even if you've practiced made the whole thing once and it went off without a hitch, if it's the second time you're making it, it's still only the second time you're making it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when we get to visit, then I'll do it if you're going to come over because... Yeah, you would understand if it didn't work and we just had to go to the 7-Eleven and get gas station pastries. <laughs> so the showstopper this time, they get five hours to make two different kinds of entremet. That's how you say that word, right? And they have to make 12 each. I almost made entremets because they consist of like jelly and mousse and yada yada. And I have... Um, since we've started recording this podcast, I've amassed little like moose molds and things that are really... <laughs> because we've made you do patisserie week twice before. Yeah. And um, I made those like marshmallow tea cakes mm-hmm. and then the blue... I made blueberry mousse one time. Was that just for fun or was that for the show? Those were for uh, Sinclair's birthday. I just made those for fun. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, glutton for punishment. So, I mean, this is like you go to a French bakery and this is like the fancy thing that you buy that like per per bit is like six, six or eight dollars or whatever. This is like the high end shit. You know what I was thinking? I would prefer if the judging for this challenge was the next morning. So like they get oh. however long they get, they get four hours to make it or whatever, but they get judged in the morning. Uh, so that whatever they needed, they had like a full night of chilling and setting. Because to me, that is a more realistic challenge, no matter what. Like that's a, more realistic to if you worked in a French patisserie. That is more realistic to if you catered a wedding. Even if you were doing it under extreme duress, there would always be an overnight, you know, where yeah. everything could set properly. And I, I don't yeah. know. I feel like that would be a fairer challenge. And also people would do better and it would be like more fun to see. I understand that doesn't work very well with the weekend concept of GVBO, but that's how I think patisserie should be judged, is what I've decided. Also, Paul says, I've seen pastry chefs crumble making these. And I was thinking, were you glaring at them the whole time, Paul? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, did you poke their pastry? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sticking a finger in their cakes? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then Mary says the thing, she wants to see how many skills they can show her. She just wants to see, like, how cool they can make stuff, which is a very Mary thing to say. Mm -hmm. So Louis does, one of them is a pistachio sponge with pomegranate jelly, pomegranate molasses cream, um, and then his other one is cherry and chocolate with a chocolate center and chocolate mousse on a shortbread base. As he's making his pistachio sponge, the green color of it makes him giggle. Like, he's just like, yeah. I just enjoy this color, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot, that he's still he's still finding joy in something like that when they're also, like, heads down, serious, it's patisserie week, you know? I didn't peel the, like, husks off my um, pistachios this time around, but I did two bakes ago. Like, I blanched them quickly in boiling water and then peeled the husks off, and that's how you get, like, an intensely vibrant green. Mm-hmm. I, too, love the green. Like, when my ice cream was vibrant green, I was like, yes! But <laughs> the process of doing that took a long-ass time, and I wouldn't have been stoked on the day that I did it. But maybe he had, like, pre-husked 
pistachios. His, I think, were the most technically impressive. Like, to, to Mary's mm. demand, right? It's like, who showed the most techniques and who showed the most skill? I would say Louis. Um, they're incredibly yeah. neat. But I will say there's so many colors. <laughs> and yeah. the flavors do not... Like, the, the, color, the color story of it does not seem cohesive. It's just, like, a mm. lot of colors that, to me, it actually crosses over to gaudy. Like, I was thinking you would not see this in a French patisserie window because it's not elegant. It's a lot, <laughs> right? It reminded me yeah. of his... Um, his American donuts. Yeah, you know, his that, American donuts. I was just thinking yeah, about those. The judges love it, and I believe them. I do believe that they taste really good, especially yeah. the cherry and chocolate one. It looked really delicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he has, like, shard, a shard of something in there. I think Sam's the shard. I would go for a Lu- a Lewis's this time around. I wouldn't have in the American donut situation, but I was okay with how over-the-top and ridiculous these were for some reason. It may be in part that I love that pistachio color and have been seeing it a lot recently. I'm sticking with, it's it's a French patisserie in Vegas, not a French patisserie yeah. in Paris. That's what I'd say. <laughs> no, I think that you're not wrong. Although there probably is one patisserie in Paris where that has like the the guy that wears the big, you know, the glasses that you would normally only see on like an American um psychologist in her 50s or something you know or like yeah. art teacher I gotcha I gotcha I know what you mean and he you know he has a bakery apron but it's got like zigzags and polka dot you know yeah that kind of thing there's gotta be one guy should we talk about Nancy sure Nancy makes something she calls raspberry nonettes and then lime and passion fruit entremet and this is another one as she's describing the lime and passion fruit which have a chocolate base mel is like ooh, ooh, and i'm like i don't think this flavor combination travels well to north america i really want to try it now because you know there's a shot of paul with it in his mouth and he's like he's like the lime and the chocolate work together beautifully i'm like i cannot picture this <laughs> like yeah i need to have <laughs> lime and chocolate together i think and then i will believe you <laughs> her raspberry nonets are those the ones that get the verbena and mint jelly Yes, also weird. It's almond yeah. sponge, mousse, verbena mint jelly, more mousse, dark chocolate glaze, raspberries. Mary is skeptical of there being so much going on and so many layers, but in my memory, she did like it in the end. Although they did think it was like, it could be like a hair neater. Yeah. And like, oh, like, yeah. Well, okay, no, a lot neater on the outside. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're very <laughs> yeah. messy on the outside, but then you cut into them and the internal be, layers. Yeah, look there is. Yeah. Her um, raspberry one had the the internal layer really well the little mm-hmm. like jelly cube mm-hmm. i was gonna say so lewis has in terms of like ticking those skill boxes he nails like mirror glaze i did mirror glaze before on the uh blueberry mousse the thing about this stuff is like you're using a thermometer for so many of the things that you're doing mm. and everything has to be at like the perfect temperature to work properly and lewis gets his at the perfect temperature and and nancy does not yeah. And so that's why hers falls apart. But, like, I can't really give her a hard time because that's... When I made the blueberry mousse, I ended up doing, like, two layers of mirror glaze because they, they went on a little hot. And I was like, oh, crap, I'll do another layer. And then and then it was, like, too opaque. 
you know, nothing yeah. that like no literally nobody cares, but not perfect and very, very, very easy to have it be not perfect. Mm-hmm. A very, very different situation than like you're making chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so they tell her the appearance has fallen a bit low for her standard. <laughs> Just like, ouch. Richard uh, doesn't have that problem because he doesn't like glaze over everything, right? He he shows all the layers all the way through. He makes polka dots in the cake layer. I love the polka dots. So do the judges. I understand abstractly like how well done it uh, how well done it is. You know, the little dots are like perfect circles, and it's like there's part of my brain that recognizes it's cute. There's another part of my brain that does not like food to look like it has a rash. Yeah. Sue makes a joke about like, oh, I feel like I need to rub calamine lotion on your cake. But it's yeah. like, that's actually how I feel like kind of viscerally. Fair enough. I never like polka dot designs in cakes. Oh. Something about that pattern and food, I think my brain like associates it with like skin disease or something. Like it, it puts me off my appetite. It's like no polka dots in food. Polka dots are fine in clothes, but not in food. Anything organic yeah. of any kind should not have polka dot batters. I've never gone to the trouble of like splitting my batter so that I can dye part of it. But I wonder if you could do something else that's kind of cool, like some other kind of pattern that was I like a little bit. Checkerboards. Checkerboards are fine. Stripes are fine. Like there's like <laughs> ev- all other patterns are fine. Just no polka dots in food. Okay, fair enough. I kind of like the cute little polka dots. The I think it's the first episode of the season when they do their Swiss rolls. The the Jordan mm-hmm. uh, does. Is he the one? Is it him or Richard that does strawberries? It's Jordan. Jordan does the strawberry pattern, okay. and that actually I I did like because they looked like strawberries. Like it looked like an art print. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's just something about dots. Like the yeah. perfect speed, like the, like especially when they're like slightly raised too. There is a shot of uh, Richard scraping the mascarpone flat of the mascarpone the mascarpone layer flat on one of his, and it's just it's very satisfying. It's so perfectly yeah. smooth. Um, I was thinking like it would be soothing to watch him like smooth cement as well. Like he could have a visual ASMR channel. Yeah, or like mortar bricks, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd watch it. Um, but the judges give him a hard time because they the grapefruit doesn't come through enough for them yes i do think his again i agree that polka dots are abstractly cute but i think his are kind of boring looking where they don't make me think of a french patisserie window they make me think of like a party tray that you buy at like whole foods oh no well whole foods i mean all right you're giving him the high end yeah, like, but it's like at the fancy grocery store, you buy a prepackaged box of like little yeah. desserts because you would need to bring something to somebody's house, um, or like you forgot yeah. to make something for the potluck. That's the vibe of it. Like they're they're very like safe and kind of boring looking to me. Like they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum from Louis. You know, I just had a moment of, of like, how how far have we come potluck wise in life? I guess we're like very much in our thirties. Well, okay. I will assume he's not listening to this, but uh, one of my neighbors had us over kind of in a last minute kind of way. And he had actually grabbed a tray like this at the whole thing is why I was thinking about it. And they actually did not taste very good. You know, they're just, yeah, they they were all very bland and disappointing. Um, But they looked kind of like Richard's is what I would say. Actually, Whole Foods has a surprisingly bad pastry section for like the fact that they're, 
fancy and have like they have a really good cheese section Mm -hmm. but they're they had like a gluten-free this like rice muffin for a while that I obviously ate a number of but only out of you know convenience because they were located close to I don't know somewhere I had to be yeah I could see that I guess I thought they looked nice but I was I guess I had thought about making entremet Mm -hmm. and so that was the lens through which I saw everybody's like what would mine have looked like? Yeah. So I feel like it's yeah. very, very forgiving because it's it's hard. This is so hard. It's such a hard thing to do. I think Louis clearly could have. That's the thing. I think oh, Louis, yeah. Louis demonstrated he has the skill to nail the French patisserie window. He just choose, chose to go Vegasy with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chetna. We should talk about Chetna. Yes. Hers, if it, they had reached the platonic ideal of what they were supposed to be like would have been beautiful and they were almost almost there Mm -hmm. but she needed another like hour or that overnight set yeah uh her cappuccino ones don't set she puts them in the freezer towards the end but they still are kind of mushy when she's like pushing them out of the mold i did like that Paul says, like, they've got kind of quick kick to them, which I assumed he meant the coffee, and Mary said she really liked yeah. them. So I assume it's like they have yeah. a very strong coffee flavor, and Paul's a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> which, so- you know, which sounded good to me. But they did, and then they 100%. said the other one doesn't have enough orange flavor and just doesn't have enough flavor, period. It kind of just tastes like yeah. chocolate all the way through. It doesn't have, like, layers of flavors and taste, which is so sad because she, like, put in the effort to put in, like, a million flavors in there, but they're all kind of... yeah. Visually, they're all brown, too right? Too similar. Yeah. yeah. They're too similar visually, and apparently they're too similar on the palette, too, according to the judges. So I think, too, her, the, the top of her orange and chocolate one, like her orange mousse split, Yeah, it's hard to work with citrus and dairy. Like It really wants to curdle. Yeah, so it probably wouldn't be something I would choose for this context. <laughs> When you're like pressed for time and stuff. You know, my mom believes you shouldn't have citrus and milk at the same time, like when you're eating, because it'll curdle in your stomach. And I, and I, and many times I have explained like your stomach is all, is acid. Like it's not, (laughs) but uh, she still, she still thinks it's a bad idea. Well, I mean, she's made it this far. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) But yeah, that was, it was just a bit sad. I feel like in particular, her cappuccino entremet would have been beautiful if mm-hmm. she just had a bit more time mm-hmm. but mary says they look bulbous because the weight of the top of the cake is pushing against the non-set yeah mousse and it's kind of like sandwiching out at the sides yeah but it, i don't know i think she should still be proud of herself like at the very end mary says what a cracking semi-final like mary yeah, feels like yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. did well the whole time ultimately yeah. um Chetna goes home and it's not a big surprise, I think. I think it does feel like she did the worst this weekend. Um, But I agree. At the same time, it nevertheless feels like another demonstration of her extremely high skills. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like actually it could have been Nancy that went. I would not have been like shocked and appalled or offended or whatever. Yeah. On this rewatch. Yeah. I think I would have been surprised, but not that surprised. Like, I would have put Nancy just, like, a slight notch above Chetna. Um, But I would say this was one of Nancy's worst weeks, which is still 
still very, very good. And Richard is Starbaker for the fifth time. And there's only fifth 10 weeks. time. Right? I know. 10 weeks, including the final. Half of them, he has been Starbaker. That's incredible. Yeah. Did Lewis get a Starbaker at some point in time? And did Chetna? I feel like they all deserve one. Yes. Louis got Starbaker week three. Uh, Chetna got Star- okay. Starbaker week six. So they did both get it okay. once before. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah, because I just, I just feel like everyone deserves to walk away with one. And I know Nancy got the first one. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the final with Richard, with Nancy, and with Lewis. And that feels great. Yeah, it If there had been like a different variation that had had Chetna in it, I think I would have been happy with yeah i would have been happy with any combination of three for sure i would say chetna rises above everybody for flavor uh and like ideas and then louis i think rises above for decoration and then nancy and richard are the strongest all-rounders yeah yeah i'd agree with that well we should sign off it's time to go to bed we should (laughs) we should this has been the Rough Puffs. Uh, your hosts are Andrea Bennett and Kim Fu. Find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. We both also write books. Andrea's latest is an essay collection called Like a Boy But Not a Boy. And my latest is a short story collection called Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century. So long to Chetna, whose moose was loose. And congrats to Richard, whose entremets were great. Oh no. <laughs> that rhymed better in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it rhyme in my head? Because we both need to sleep. <laughs>